0: WMQA.
1: Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lasowitz. And this week's guest is the co founder and CEO of the new comics crowdfunding platform Zoop, Jordan Plosky. Welcome, Jordan.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me.
0: So, uh, for starters, uh, what are some of the first comics that you remember reading?
2: Wow. Oh, I, I, I like where we're starting already, but I think. <laughs> It's funny, like, my mind jumps to New Warriors in 91. Okay. Like, but I know that before that, you know, it's like all the Archie Digests when, when I'm, like, four or five years old and mm-hmm. the spinner rack at, like, the candy store, you know, mm-hmm. those comics. And then sort of, like, I, I remember seeing, like, a G.I. Joe, you know, and, like, having, a fl- like, my first floppy of, like, a G.I. Joe, because I think the Archies were all Digests, you know, but then, like, a first real, real comic yeah. might have been... Might have been a GI Joe. Uh, the reason I always say New Warriors, though, because like that's that's the book that hooked me. That's the one that's like in my veins. That I, you know, mm-hmm. I have like I'm looking at my 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 nine point eight New Warriors number one over here, like a page oh. of original art. So like that's the, yeah, New Warriors. Mark Bagley's my guy. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah, that that, <laughs> that 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 was the downfall of my life.
0: <laughs> uh, Fabian Nicias, got a lot of kids
2: hooked. <laughs> yeah man it, you know it, it, it's really funny i'm like it, i mean we, we could go there we could like dissect new warriors but like if you go back and take a look at the new Warriors, i don't think it would work today but what i would love to see is sort of like a tv show or a movie of the new warriors in the 90s and i okay. think that that would be so awesome but the cool thing about new warriors is it subconsciously i think played a part in uh, like how i view the world like this was a team with like uh, a black leader Mm -hmm. and like strong female characters that also went on to lead the team and everything like that and Mm -hmm. never never seeing an issue with any of that stuff you know like seeing like oh yeah well sure like why can't there be like a black billionaire whose parents also died sort of like batman and you know went on to you know fight justice you know uh, excuse me fight crime and and fight for justice you know Mm uh in the name of vengeance and revenge And, and like why can't these women be stronger than the men and and like have cooler powers and and things like that so yeah, I, you know, I think that stuff like sort of subconsciously like gets in you. And, and that's like when a book like that grabs you, like you kind of go looking for other books like it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry for that tangent. Uh, you know, I, no, it, early, I never like- apologize <laughs> for
0: a tangent on this show. You know, I mean, the one thing I'd say is like, that is the one title that it feels like there have been attempts to, to bring it back and it just never seems to click. And the one time that it did, they blew up a school. <laughs>
2: I don't even call that like bringing the book back. And you're right. I mean, there was something about the original run that just hasn't been replicated since then. And I don't know if it's because it's so stuck in that time period, you know, or I don't know, it just captured the magic of like the early nineties comic boom. And it was sort of like this underdog comic that, you know, probably had no right to last 75 issues, but you (laughs) know, it, it, it did. And, and yeah, I I don't know. I, I, Some, sometimes I really just can't put my finger on like what it is, but it, it, that that's my book. That's like my answer to every question online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, new Warriors, New Warriors, New Warriors. That, that is another thing about the early 90s, though, man. A lot of books
0: did, <laughs> ran for like 50, 60, 75 issues. That's true. That, that maybe
2: that, that definitely would not have today. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I don't even think well. Definitely Bagley was off by 25. I think, uh-huh. Yez, I, I, and I butcher his name, this says, this Yezza, you know, yep, went, went, to, 50-ish. Yeah. went to 50 ish. Yeah. I don't think he, you know, he,
1: 50, yeah. I, he finished the art, like the epilogue after 50 and then was off after that. But like, he did, yeah, like two or three more issues after.
2: Sure. And he, it's so cool because, like, this book was 30 years ago, and now mm-hmm. you have like Twitter. And Bagley's not on Twitter, but Fabian's on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And many times, like, I'll comment or, like, reply and, and, and get things going back and forth with him. And I spoke to him at New York Comic-Con this weekend. And I said something like, I'm a, I'm a you know, big fan. And, and he's like, oh, I know. Like, I always see all your posts on, on my Twitter feed. And I was just like, holy, like, you know, you know, this guy who sort of, like, helped sculpt the person that I have become in a weird way. Mm-hmm. knows who i am it was just like a crazy kind of full circle weird but awesome experience and he's a super nice guy
0: that is the the magic of comics uh bringing people together uh and and, and that's what we're here to talk about because so we're here to talk about zoop your your comics crowd pl- funding platform uh currently you've got a campaign running for the nightcrawlers which is in all ages Supernatural graphic novel by uh, Marco Lopez and Rachel Disler, uh, which is going to end up being published by Ablaze. Um, Let's start there. How did this sure. project fall into uh, Zoop's uh, camp lab?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And sorry because I could probably sp- you know spend a whole hour talking about the New Warriors. So let's get into oh, we all could uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of the other stuff. But um, yeah, so. It's funny. So Rich Young uh, is, is, I guess, you know, the, you say the founder or the CEO of Ablaze. Um, <laughs> he and I have known each other for a while because before Zoop, I had another startup called Comic Blitz. And we were a digital distribution platform and Rich used to be at, at Dynamite. So I think we, we did a little business at that time. However, this time around, um, Rich has been in touch with my partner Uh, so I'm a co-founder in Zoop my partner Mm -hmm. is Eric Moss Uh, he used to he used to work at IDW he had been at uh, Disney before then he spent some time at Cryptozoic he was actually you know in in terms of uh, crowdfunding he was the project manager or the campaign manager whatever you want to call it um, Mm -hmm. for the berserker campaign on Kickstarter the number one comics uh, Kickstarter of all time so uh, he and Rich uh at ablaze we're in touch for a little while and so this project actually came through eric because rich and eric were in touch mm-hmm. um and yeah we've been working on it with them since before we launched and trying to you know like figure out what the strategy is for a young adult uh book this is mm-hmm. kind of our first young adult book on the platform so we're really excited to be doing it it's also like ablaze is sort of the first publisher that we're working with as well so we mm-hmm. have a lot to prove you know in, in hitting our goal and getting there um And it's cool because they're utilizing the platform, I think, in the correct way. I know that that some people have like their issues with publishers using crowdfunding campaigns, you know, but I mean, Mm -hmm. for anybody listening, please don't have a problem with it. Some of these publishers are not like mega corporations that, you know, just have unlimited bankroll to put out as much, you know, as much content as they would like, you know, Mm -hmm. crowdfunding platforms such as Zoop and others allow these publishers to take less risk than would be normally uh than they would normally have to take in order to put out new content new content means new voices means more work from more writers more creators so it's a really good thing uh for all those reasons um and the book is fun and and the art is like super cool it, it's it's simple but all the every line means something like that's the kind of art i like you know sort of a chris somni style i would think you mm-hmm. know would be would be a good comparison I'm sure Rachel, if she's listening to this, she'd probably be like, oh my God, like what a what a <laughs> cool comparison. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the art is super clean and fun. Um, you know, the book is for kids, but it's also for adults, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're into just any sort of comics, if you're into horror, if you're into sort of, you know, I, I know the comparisons have been made to Goonies and Goosebumps and things like that. So if you're into sort of any any of that kind of stuff, come check out uh, Nightcrawlers. It's a sort of smaller dimensioned hardcover. Um, Mm. So really nice packaging on that. We have digital versions. Uh, You can get signed versions. There's uh, either sketches or getting drawn into the book is one of the sort of premium rewards that we have, which is super cool. So if you have kids who, who like reading, who like comics, who like graphic novels, they get to see themselves in a graphic novel. So Christmas is right around the corner. Might make for a very good gift if anybody's listening.
0: Uh, it's, it's like the jelly of the month club. It's a gift that keeps on giving the whole year.
2: Uh. Yeah. Hey, every time, you know, every time you open up that book, you get to see yourself or, or kind of show it off to your friends or
1: mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, it, it, it's, it's very, very cool. And then there's sketches as well. You can get your kid or yourself if you'd like drawn with, you know, one of the Nightcrawler's characters. So, yeah, trying to do something some things a little bit differently, not just like, Hey, get a commission of Wolverine or Batman or something like that. Something a little bit different, a little fun, something (laughs) unique to this project. Very cool.
1: So let's go from the micro out to the macro. What's the origin of Zoop? Uh, Why did you feel like the world (laughs) needed a comic specific crowdfunding platform?
2: Sure. I love that question. The pandemic hit (laughs) that, it's funny zoop zoop i had always had the name in mind and i actually had another business model that i was sort of pursuing that really didn't take off you know and i never got like too far with it that the name was already associated with something else so i held on to the name and when when the pandemic hit um stores closed for two months diamond who had at at the time a lot's changed but at the time had a monopoly on the industry they closed down for two to three months At the same time, AT&T bought Warner Brothers, home of DC Comics. Mm -hmm. They slashed their publishing output by 25%. What that means is 25% less work for creators. So you're seeing less work for creators. You're seeing that the, the one way to get comics to people is broken, right? So now all of a sudden we're starting to see Okay, here's the traditional way of of getting comics to fans. There are a lot of problems there. At the same time, you're seeing the rise of crowdfunding. And of course, through the pandemic, crowdfunding just went through the roof, right? They had their best year in 2020, 2021 is shaping up to be an even better year in terms of revenue uh, for crowdfunding platforms. So we started to take a look at that and see, well, crowdfunding's great, but here's all the things that we would do differently. And Eric and I got on a call, and this was even before uh, the Berserker campaign, but he, he himself w- had just left IDW and he was thinking about consulting and project managing or campaign managing for people in their Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. And with my background, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it while we were recording or not, but I had another startup called Comic Blitz, which was mm-hmm. like Netflix for, for digital comics, uh, or just let's just call it Comixology Unlimited, right? It was, it was that model. So with my background in basically building the platform and doing everything myself, I just said to Eric, I said, Hey man, instead of, you know, being a consultant and utilizing Kickstarter, let's try to fix these problems and build our own platform. And so sure enough, we got together, we started brainstorming. Uh, we picked up a CTO who's our third partner. Uh, he's based in Germany. His name is Marvin Oswald. Hi Marvin. Um, the three of us got together, built the platform, and at the same time, you know, started reaching out to the contacts that we had. Eric from his IDW days, me from my Comic Blitz days, and we started rolling with our first campaigns uh, in June of this year. So since then, I believe we've bun- we've done about a dozen campaigns or so this year. Um, really proud, uh, you know, every single one of them has been successful, except for one, unfortunately. We won't focus on that one, but uh, I think we will get another bite at the apple down the line, hopefully. Um, but yeah, learned a lot, see, and, and seeing what works in crowdfunding, what doesn't work in crowdfunding. Um, but the thing that differentiates, and this probably goes back to your question, Matt, of like, so why, why Zoop is when you run a, a crowdfunding campaign on another platform, you're on your own as a creator. Most creators, though, just want to write. They just want to draw. They want to focus on their craft. They want to create more comics. But if you're going to do a campaign on another platform, now you have to figure out how to use the technology. You have to upload everything yourself. You're your own project manager, you're your own administrator. Not only that, you have to market it yourself. You have to how are you going to get the word out? A lot, you know, a lot of creators we found through our experience don't want to be shilly. They don't want to be sales you know, person-y on their social media, right? They don't want to use it for that reason. Not only that, it could take you weeks or even months to figure out who do I go to print this once we're actually ready. And then if you should have a successful campaign, that means that you have hundreds of packages that need to get shipped out. Mm-hmm. And I know that fulfillment is like the biggest crux for a lot of people uh, when it comes to crowdfunding. So Zoop versus a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, they're no frills. They're like your dad giving you the keys to the car and saying, go have fun, figure (laughs) it out on your own. With Zoop, we hold your hand. We're a partner in it. We're a turnkey solution. We're all in one, all under one roof. So we handle all the printing, all the fulfillment, marketing, campaign management, everything. So creators can focus more on just creating as opposed to having to do all these other things and potentially turn down work in order to just run their campaign for a month. I, I'm going to keep going because one other important distinction is if you're a backer or a supporter uh, on Kickstarter, or Indiegogo, mm-hmm. you're given a selection of tiers to choose from. And you as a, as a backer can only select one of those tiers. But if there's anything else that you wanted, you typically can't say, hey, I want that, I want that, throw it all together and make a purchase. I know that they're working on that. I know it seems a bit glitchy at times and there's other solutions that are coming through. But with us, our interface is much more streamlined. And number one, that's the reason for comics only. You don't have to sift through like potato peelers and and like whatever other projects that are out there on the other platforms. We are comics. You know what you're getting when you come to our platform, but the checkout is more... Amazon Prime, you know, just that cart, right? Hey, I want this, I want two of those, one of those, six of those, put them in your cart and check out. So there's no need for backer kit. There's no need for like an after campaign campaign, an add-on campaign, having to check out again, add your shipping later, do a survey and, you know, provide all that stuff. It just streamlines. It makes it so much more simple, not just for our clients who are the creators, but also for the supporters. So I think we're elevating crowdfunding, hopefully trying to do it you know, best in class uh, in today's market.
0: Okay, uh, and... <laughs> that was an answer. <laughs> uh, um, so, in terms of the the name itself, I know you said you would mentioned it. It kind of carry over, carried over from another uh, project. Uh, you know, as you're sort of training people to get them to, to recognize this service, this platform, you know, are, are you, you know, for example, are you getting confused with like the Brazilian financial services company or like the video game from uh, speaking of 30 years ago?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Well, it's, it's funny. We tried to get, because Viacom, th- this is a deep dive, but like Viacom <laughs> owns that video game and owns a name. Okay. So we actually, we actually reached out to try to like buy the domain, zoop.com. Mm-hmm they own that they don't probably don't even realize that they own that because again you know the game is 30 years old for it was like for a game boy and i don't think they've done anything (laughs) since then um we i don't think we've had too much confusion in all honesty i mean if you were to type in zoop comics or zoop crowdfunding i think you'll be able to find us um we do you know we do google ads so we're typically at the top of that search if someone was just to type in zoop you Mm. should find us and you know either in the, the the advertisement or like in the top three. So fortunately, I don't think we've had too much confusion, you know, especially if you're going to see Portuguese in the description, I don't think (laughs) you're going to click on that one, but um, yeah, it's been okay. The one thing that we got when we first came out and the first press releases were out, people were like soup, (laughs) you know, but like we we really haven't gotten that since day one. So Mm -hmm. I'm not overly concerned with that. I think that the name is, is, memorable it's quick it's it's snappy and yeah it 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 is what it is now the reason i like Mm -hmm. it is because it doesn't pigeonhole us it allows us to expand and do anything which is part of the plan so i'm just going to throw that out there as well sure
0: uh so you know we've talked a little bit about the the team here and and the partners uh you know obviously you've got people with kickstarter pedigree uh, we've already, you know, mentioned Eric and, and Berserker, which did, you know, bananas numbers. Uh, you've got, uh, Camilla Zhang has done some consulting. She was the comics outreach lead at Kickstarter for a time apart from the partners, I guess, how many people do you, are, are part of this, uh, system right now?
2: Yeah. So it, it expands and contracts, you know there are some projects that we need a little bit more help that that we have our go-to people for mm-hmm. um but but the core team is really like on a daily basis there's there's four of us mm-hmm. uh there's there's myself eric who i mentioned uh our cto marvin mm-hmm. um our head of marketing is brett shanker uh, mm-hmm. he also runs uh, a website called graphicpolicy.com so if anybody's familiar with that um, plus he moderates a lot of panels at conventions and things like that mm-hmm. so he he handles our marketing and he, he's been crushing it um, in terms of email marketing, social media. He's, he's our guy for that. It, like I said, there, there's some, some other smaller services that, that we utilize like and, and outsource to people, mm-hmm. but yeah, we're, we're basically the four, you know, on a daily basis. And then every once in a while we have some others that we call upon. So small team, uh, big dreams, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's definitely, that's usually uh, how it's, how it starts. Um, yeah. So uh, what makes a, what makes a project a ZOOP project? Are there certain, you know, threshold thresholds above which something has to
2: qualify for you guys to want to take it on? Well, we do screen, right? And, and this, so far, the platform is not just open to everybody and, and that's intentional. We are a concierge service, so we are not just an automated platform like a Kickstarter or Indiegogo where anybody can just go, upload all their information, run their own campaign. We're not set up like that just yet. That's in the plans. I don't have a timeline for something like that, but that will eventually happen where people can choose Zoop over any of the other platforms. Typically what we do look for, um, our ideal client is typically, typically gonna be a creator with some notoriety. Someone who is currently working at either like Marvel DC or like an image boom type thing, but has a project that they want to get out there that they maybe don't have the time to, you know, to do the crowdfunding or anything like that, but they, Mm -hmm. they're happy to pass off all that work Mm -hmm. and potentially not have to uh, like pitch to a publisher or get anybody's editorial buy-off on it, right? This is their vision. There's no editor telling them to change anything. They get to put out the work that they want to put out. That's the ideal client. Mm -hmm. We've been surprised though. There are some clients that we have that maybe don't have that notable name, but they're hustling. They've built up an email list, which Mm -hmm. is golden, by the way. You know, that's kind of one of the secrets of crowdfunding more, more so than 50,000 Instagram followers. (laughs) If you have a few hundred or a thousand or so, you know, on your email list, that's going to be so helpful in converting people into backers, uh, mm-hmm. for a crowdfunding, uh, campaign. So we, we've, we've gambled sometimes, you know, with some lesser known, uh, quality, lesser known quantities, I guess you would say, you know, in the comics industry. And one, <laughs> because we know that they're going out there and they're helping promote. I mean, like one of the things about us is yes, we can handle marketing, but clearly when you're crowdfunding, the best way to do it is to tap into your own organic network. The people who are your fans, the people who are following you, the people who subscribe to your newsletter, or um, you know, we had we had a client that has a webtoons, um, you know, has a, a webtoon comic, I should say, I guess, mm-hmm. with thousands of subscribers. So we were able to tap into that, you know, the social media is great. It's good for notoriety. And for some of those like more well-known, more well-established creators that does work very well because they have people who are listening to them. They have people that are following them and hoping for updates and hoping to see something new from their favorite creators. Um, So that's a really long answer for a short question. I mean, typically we, you know, we like to see people that have some sort of notoriety, but otherwise if you, if they have, you know, an email list, that has been conjured from, you know, doing tons of artist alleys and and small press appearances at shows or whatever it is, you know, that's something that we'll roll the dice with as well.
1: Uh, A question, we got a couple of questions from Twitter and one of them comes from number one question asker, Asimov Fangirl. Uh, She asks, although there've been a few cases of scams, most crowdfunding comics projects seem more likely to fulfill their goals, publication and other promised rewards. What do you think has made this possible?
2: Well, I think a lot of people use crowdfunding probably as a one-time thing. But if you're a comic creator, you're probably looking at, hey, if I do well this time, I'm going to do this again and again and again. And if you kind of screw your backers, you're going to, harm your reputation and people aren't going to back you again. So you you have to it you either have to fulfill or you have to be transparent about why it's taking so long or what issues or problems that you're having. And I think because comics is a repeatable type thing that maybe there's more of an onus on comic creators to fulfill so that they can come back for a second bite at the apple versus, you know, if you come out with one product and that's all you're ever going to do, you know, then yeah, I, I think that that might be the reason. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really interesting question actually though.
0: We had, uh, we had Carl Kiesel on not too long ago and uh, he was in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign and he was kind of talking about how basically it's, it's, it's like a cycle of reinvestment. So you do the Kickstarter and whatever money you make goes into funding or, pr- or, or starting the, the next
2: project. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, absolutely. So, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, re- realistically, a lot of times creators are not making a profit. That money is going towards the production of the current book. And to your point, you know, that's that's seed money for, for the next book as well. Because if you're a writer, you need to entice an artist, you know? <laughs> and is that artist going to be just the penciler or the penciler and anchor? Are they going to do colors as well? So you need a little bit of a budget in order to get your next few pages going, you know, for the next projects that you can do another crowdfunding campaign. It it is, it, 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 it's theoretically a new business model. I mean, just take a look at Jimmy Palmiotti, right? I mean, Mm. he's got it dialed in. Spike Trotman's got it dialed in. Brian Polito's got it dialed in. I mean, geez, you know, those guys figured it out. They're tapping into their fan base and, and, that is their business model. They don't go to retail. They don't have distribution to, you know, Mm -hmm. to retail anymore, that they make their money direct to consumer. They figured out a way to speak to their fans on, you know, quarterly, you know, however, however frequently they're putting out their books, but, you know, back to the earlier question, they fulfill Mm-hmm. <laughs> and their reputation is great so people keep coming back they get new backers all of them you know and and because they have a positive reputation they have high quality product mm-hmm. they fulfill on time or as as quickly as possible with updates um you know with great reputations you could build a career through crowdfunding and i think we're going to see more and more of that
0: mm-hmm yeah. No, J- uh, Jimmy's Jimmy. I mean, Spike obviously is a great example. Jimmy. I mean, you don't even, I don't even can't think of the last time I saw a book with his name, like in an actual comic shop, but the guy is like a, you know, at least from an outside position, feels like a self-sustaining economy at this point. Cause he's, he's all, he's always
2: kickstarting something. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, and I think, you know, he's smart. I'm not going to reveal any secrets that I'm kind of like witnessing, you know, th- <laughs> this isn't what, you know, he's told me or anything, but like, I, I, I see how it's done. Um, he's smart about it and yes he does i think he still does do work on like harley quinn and things like that so i don't think he's out of like major comics or just you know that mm-hmm. type of stuff i think he's 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 got multiple revenue streams and that's that's kind of the name of the game especially in if you're a comics creator yeah absolutely so
0: uh how are you getting the word out there that zoop is an option you know what is your your pitch when you're kind of seeking out projects and how quickly does we've got the berserker guy enter the conversation
2: (laughs) yeah well at the beginning that was our calling card Mm -hmm. you know that that was like that was what i i I would tell everybody because that's that's what gets people listening right Mm -hmm. that was that almost was sort of the hook but now that we you know we just did a campaign um if you're familiar with the artist john paul leone who passed away earlier this year mm -hmm. um we, we collaborated with uh, Bernard Chang and Tommy Lee Edwards um, and Scott Dunbeer, um, who does all the artist edition books. <laughs> so, um, again, artist edition was through IDW. My partner, Eric and Scott, have known each other for years. So we started talking with them about helping them out, um, putting out this artist edition book for John Paul Leon and all the proceeds went to the Leon family. <laughs> so uh, Zoop did not take a cut. Tommy and Bernard and Scott, everybody involved did not take any, any money. Uh, The only money that is being spent, that's not going to the families is for printing the books and fulfillment and the credit card processing fees. So, you know, mission accomplished. We really raised a lot of money over $190,000 was for the campaign. And after expenses, you know, it's going to be a nice amount of money that we all feel really good going to them Mm -hmm. Um, because of the success of that we are now on the map. Um, I was at New York Comic Con and you got to hustle. So I'm I'm going through Artist Alley. I'm talking to all the creators at the table. And some of them already knew who we were. And if they didn't know who we were, I let them know about the John Paul Leone campaign and let them know about our suite of services. And that's what attracted, you know, Bernard and Tommy to us was, hey, they could, they could have gone to Kickstarter but then they would have had to figure out how they're going to print this thing, how they're going to do all the fulfillment. And they would have had to find a marketing person to, you know, to help run this whole thing and, and get the word out. So, you know, because we're in all in one solution, it made it so much easier for them to just say, Hey, you know, you guys run with this. We know that you're fans, we know that you respect what's what's what the situation is here. Um, and let, let's do this together. So we did. And, you know, fortunately we had almost a thousand backers. Um, what's really cool is like going through our back end and seeing the names of some of the people who backed this campaign. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was really cool. The people who were fans of, or, you know, really respected John Paul. Um, it was a who's who, you know, who, who backed this campaign and, you know, it wasn't the intention, but I mean, that notoriety has certainly helped us, you know, in the comics community with creators. Um, It makes the conversation with us, uh, it makes the conversation go so much easier with potential clients now because they've seen what's, you know, what's possible. Um, So yeah, the calling card used to be, hey, we got the berserker guy, but now it's kind (laughs) of, hey, we had this really successful campaign amongst others. I mean, you know, a dozen successful campaigns as well, but with that, Mm -hmm. at you know, sort of the, the tip of the spear.
0: Uh, you're kind of talking about the, the services that Zoo provides and, and how it can kind of take some of the burden off of the creators from wearing all these other hats while they're also trying to make comics. Uh, as you know, uh, Twitter is a hell site that rewards garbage discourse and can often leave creators feeling like they're shouting into the void to get yeah. people to read their book. Uh, unless they also post, you know, pictures of their pets or unpopular opinions about uh, what Batman does in his spare time, uh, you know,
2: is that? And he does. I'm in the he does camp.
1: So
0: oh, we you. all are. <laughs> uh, that was the one good day on Twitter.com. Anyway, <laughs> you know, is, is that sort of marketing, uh, social media marketing, is that kind of another service or something that you guys do to kind of sweeten the pot?
2: Yeah, that is, that is part of what we do. I, I thought the question was going to be like, how do you navigate that? You know, like the shitstorm that is Twitter. Um, I agree. I kind of feel like Twitter has gotten worse. Um, and, and I feel almost like I'm seeing fewer people post more frequently on Twitter, whether they're people I agree with or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just feel like I'm seeing fewer voices on Twitter. And I don't know if that's for real or if that's like an algorithm thing yeah
0: no hard to tell
2: (laughs) yeah twitter's definitely um i don't think it's the tool that it once was for promotion um Mm -hmm. i i don't know if you guys are familiar with the the writer aubrey Sitterson. yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. he he just had a campaign for uh volume two of his book called beef bros yep and And they just cleared it. They made, I mean, they had a very lofty goal. $30,000 is a very high mark for a crowdfunding campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they did it. But, you know, in his updates, he was saying like, hey, I feel like Twitter is not the place anymore that helped us so much last time around. Mm -hmm. You know, it's become so much more difficult to like break through all the noise. And like you were saying, you know, all this like weird fighty interaction on Twitter and people potentially are leaving Twitter. You know, I, all the thoughts I had were kind of, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not the only one thinking this and seeing this, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I just bring that up because I, it felt like it validated sort of what we're seeing as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I think Instagram is changing a little bit too, where it's not just enough to post. Now it's all about like reels and stories as opposed to just static images. So mm-hmm. you, you got to figure sometimes you just have to figure out how to like roll with the times and, and see like what the hot thing is that you need to hop on. Um, we'll see what happens with Facebook as well, with this whole meta thing. And yeah. I, you know, I, this is a whole other conversation about social media, but I mean, look, that's like, that has been the primary way for the past few years that people exchange information and promote new products Maybe there's a shift coming. I'm not sure what that shift is, to, but it seems like maybe we're entering a new phase. Matt, you look like scared. And... So I'm just <laughs> thinking, Dan, are we gonna have to get a TikTok for the podcast? Uh, I, 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 I,
0: Matt, I never even made it to Snapchat.
2: So.
0: <laughs> we are old.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, 40 as well. So like, yeah, same I here. Feel like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I missed. I, I, I never had a Snapchat account. I have an 11-year-old daughter who has TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get it, you know. But there's the tried and true methods up until something else comes along. And you know that your demographic is there. I don't mm-hmm. think the comic demographic is necessarily on TikTok yet. So I still feel like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are where our fans, where our demographic is. That may change. And if it does, we're going to have to change with it. So... Mm-hmm. We'll see.
0: Uh, um,
2: who I
0: just, I asked this just kind of scrolling through the Zoop Twitter account, who on the team is responsible for uh, coming up the, with, the, uh, with the memes for tweeting about projects? Because it seems like Zoop has a fairly consistent meme game. I'm seeing cats. I'm seeing Bernie Sanders,
2: you know, really just <laughs> rocking the hits. <laughs> that, uh, uh, we got to give it up to Brett, our, our head of marketing. He's the mm-hmm. one, you know, he throws them up there. And we let him roll. I mean, it's really his game to run. So uh, we we try to keep it fresh. There's only so many times that you could post the same thing over and over again, like buy my, you know, buy my comics, support this book. So Mm -hmm. you try to keep it fun, try to keep it engaging. And yeah, hopefully we're going to change it up even more. Uh, You know, that's just part of having fun. Dude, we work in comics like it doesn't have to be serious all the time.
0: Yeah. How many campaigns has Zoop handled at one time so far? And then also, what is the most different
2: campaign that uh, y'all have run since launching? Sure. So we're currently still running all of them. And that doesn't mean that they're all live, but they're, they're all in different phases right now. So okay. we're still handling for our first campaigns, the printing and the fulfillment. Now, we should have been done with a lot of that stuff, but because of the supply chain issues around the world, we're still dealing with logistics and, and shipping. We have books that have been sitting in the port for weeks. Mm-hmm. They're printed. They're done. They're just sitting there because they can't dock. Mm-hmm. So we're involved almost every day with updates from, um, for, excuse me, updating our clients, mm-hmm. getting information from the printer who you know has any sort of tracking number information on the boats, and keeping our fulfillment uh, partners up to date on when they can expect, you know, these books to be shipped from the dock to them. So we still have portions that we're working on for every single one of our campaigns,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is which is a lot of work, you know, and it all overlaps all, all at once. Uh, the most campaigns that we've actually had live at one time, I think, is either three or four at this point. Mm-hmm. but. You know, for but for a company that's starting out, it helped us get our legs underneath us, and and we're looking Mm -hmm. to definitely expand that starting next year, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. after the holidays. Um, In terms of what the most different campaign has been, um, it might be what we're doing right now with Nightcrawlers. This is our first young adult book. You know, every Mm -hmm. other book so far has been, you know, pretty standard like superhero fare um western comics if you will you know the the type of stuff that when you think of like superman batman and all the independent comics that would be something like that i think that that's this is the first one that strays away from that or maybe not the first uh stone harbor comics you know what i can get into like each one of these campaigns of how they're different but um stone harbor comics was the guy from webtoon Mm -hmm. um but he did not one graphic novel. He did two graphic novels. This was a launch of his publishing company, Stone Harbor Comics. Mm-hmm. So this was seed money for him to put not just one, but two graphic novels out into the world in print. Mm-hmm. Things that, that had uh, limited releases on Webtoon. And when I say limited, I think maybe two or three uh, issues worth. But now, if you were a backer on his campaign, you'll get the full five issue uh, trade paperback or graphic novel. Okay. Um, and this is and then he's going to continue to, to be putting out more and more work through Stone Harbor Comics. Then we had the John Paul Leone campaign where it was an artist edition. You know, this is a high-end um, high end book. It's very expensive. The shipping costs and, and you know, handling things for, for like the weight and dimensions of that book is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the coordination between... Like you gotta, you gotta remember, man. I'm, I, I, like, I'm a fan. Eric's a fan. The fact mm-hmm. that, like we got to work with Bernard Chang and Tommy Lee Edwards, and like, it, you know, we're like, communicating with Peach Momoko, whose prints sold out. You know, she she did uh, a set of prints, um, for the John Paul Leone campaign as well. You know, Bill Sienkiewicz, Walt Simonson. I'm having conversations with. Like it, you know, it's it, super cool. Um, I, I feel like I'm leaving people out. I, I Lee Weeks. Um. Did a print. I'm trying to think. Oh, man, now I feel terrible. Oh, Duncan Figretto and Sean Phillips. And you know, the fact that they auctioned off their original art for the prints that they did for this. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's so many cool things that like we've got to do. And and, you know, Brett, Eric, and I, the comics fans here, we said like if we do nothing else in the world of comics, the high mm-hmm. point so far in our careers is being able to bring the Winterman Artist Edition. Mm-hmm to the world, you know, in the way that we did and like really feel a sense of accomplishment and pride in, I don't know, it's, it's just like such a feel good type of thing. It's an unfortunate situation, but to be able to, to provide mm-hmm. like, you know, six figures to a family, it's no replacement for your husband or your father, but you know, the fact that we were able to do that, like we're, we're all very proud to have had a part in that, so. I just keep going on these tears man I apologize but <laughs> we made it clear we like it when you talk and, and and I will say the first campaign that we did was 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 a book called uh, Slow City Blues yeah they had more variant covers than any dynamite book that's ever put out you know and so that's fired yeah yeah but but like Not, hey, so wrong with it but yeah hold but, it hey, out. T- to their credit, though, David Finch, uh, Paul Pope, uh, Howard Porter, Derek Chu, uh, Brett Booth, Philip Tan. This is all off the top of my head. I know, Oh, Francisco Matina, uh, Juan Tatino Tedesco, uh, Yasmin Putri. I mean, like, yeah, Murderers Row. And, you know, all these variant covers. And one of, you know, <laughs> brings up another good point something that we do for our clients that kickstarter doesn't do is we're in touch with retailers and we're doing exclusive covers exclusive retailer covers so you know it's it's that whole thing like hey if you have a store you want your own cover we got you covered oh man i really wish i didn't say it like that it did not sound cool at all um but if you were a store (laughs) had you had you not commented on it i would have let it go oh man but i it wasn't like a planned pun but then i said it and it like i was like wow that sounded really bad <laughs> editor hey who edits this thing come on i'm, I'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> ah, forget it leave it in we're, we're all geeks anyway you gotta own
0: it man it's all good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah own the pun. but yeah. <laughs> but, it, it, but it's it's really cool some you know some of the clients that we've had we've been able to do that um the exclusive retailer covers and that that's a huge boost to any campaign. You know, those, those are some high ticket items basically. And it really helps these creators get their books made. So it's just another advantage and another reason for creators to potentially come to Zoop. So, you know, that was,
0: that was a lot of stuff. That was a lot of, you know, <laughs> big names. There's a lot of, uh, pro- as you said, you know, 11 out of 12 projects so far uh, fully funded. What is the strategy Uh for, you know, that one out of 12 that doesn't make gold, you know, what, what do you do? then?
2: We cry first, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, um, we try to figure out why, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we had established creators, we, we had gorgeous artwork. You just, sometimes you don't know like what the reason is. Um, Mm -hmm. you know we had a debrief you know our team and their team kind of got together and tried to like figure out like hey what went wrong and and you know no hard feelings because they you know they know that we worked our ass off i mean Mm -hmm. here's here's the thing we you know we don't get paid unless the campaign is successful so we want the campaign to be a success just as much as the creators do Mm -hmm. you know because of all the work that we're putting into it we don't want to walk away with nothing so but hey it happens. I'm sure it'll happen again, and it's it's. Sometimes you just don't know. Um, they did a lot of good research after the fact, um, reaching out to their fan base and seeing what the what the input was like. And I think that they're gonna, you know, take those comments and that input to heart, and they'll reattack. They're gonna they're gonna go back out there with it. I'd like to think that we're gonna be involved and that they're gonna come back and we're gonna do it together. I would love that if they didn't know hard feelings, you know, we're we're all cool. Everything is good. It wasn't like this, like you guys brought us to your platform and you told us you were going to do these things and it didn't happen. It it wasn't like that at all. So Mm -hmm. I think that we learned a lot. We could apply what we learned and potentially hit it next time.
0: Okay. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of looking ahead, uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, we've already, we've already talked a little bit about, why it does make sense for, for publishers to, to do crowdfunding campaigns and all that. Um, one of the things that I, you've still got coming up that I've read, uh, you've also got, uh, I think Chris Ryle coming in to
2: use Zoop as part of his strategy for launching, uh, Syzygy, uh, next year. We've had a lot of conversations, uh, mm-hmm. with Chris and I know that he has a lot of other things going on at the same time. Sure. Um, I can't reveal too much, but I mean, you probably saw, if you knew that much, then you probably also saw that he has also launched uh, some other books through Image as yes. well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a balancing act and a, and a scheduling act, but I know that one of these days, yeah, so mm-hmm. we're, we're going to be rolling out something. I, I, that's probably as much as I can say right now, because comics is the most secretive business in the world. <laughs>
0: um, of course, absolutely. And, and again, multiple revenue streams. So
2: <laughs> Exactly, exactly.
0: Um. What's, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've faced uh, getting Zoop off the ground this past year?
2: Yeah, people saying to us, like, why would I go with you instead of Kickstarter? That's number yeah. one, you know. Um, it, it's really hard to start any business, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you're, when you're new and you're competing with, like, the, the established giant, which I've done before, and and lost, you know, but like this time around, I feel like we have a chance because we're super serving the client. We're providing them so much more than they even realize potentially that they need in order to do crowdfunding. So I think what there's people who get it. And those are the people who come with us. And if there are people who just have too many objections, cool, I'm not going to fight with you. Like, you're already showing that it's Not gonna be really cool if we work together if if you can't understand the basic premise of like we do this, you get to keep, you know, writing or or drawing your books. Mm -hmm. So you know, we've had people that we have had conversations with and and you know, it hasn't worked out, we haven't rolled projects out together, Mm -hmm. and that's fine too. You know, there are people who think, and we won't get into specifics, but like there are definitely people who aren't willing to pay the premium that we charge because we charge more than kickstarter because we're providing more than kickstarter Mm -hmm. and you know if people aren't willing to you know uh, share or give up that much that's fine too you know Mm -hmm. then you're you know you're gonna wind up spending your time and your effort to do those things and it all depends on how people value their time that's really what it comes down to
0: certainly how was it uh during that first campaign you know you're putting slow city blues out there you know were you a little bit more nervous than you you know normally might be or or are by now when it comes to you know
2: launching campaigns absolutely oh my god absolutely that was every single day running a crowdfunding campaign is like watching the stock market So for anybody listening that has stocks, you know that you can't keep your eyes, you know, like on Yahoo Finance all day or wherever you're trading, like Mm -hmm. you're gonna drive yourself nuts. Like every little, you know, dip or high, you're just like, it's heart attack inducing. So it was really difficult to learn that. And at the same time, we're responsible for our clients and trying to set their expectations. Like hey guys, it's typical for a campaign to sort of slump a little bit in the middle. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, a a crowdfunding campaign has a huge first few days and then a huge ending. And in the middle, it's gonna be a lull, you know? But we're experiencing it for the first time as well, you know? And we're trying to figure out how do we keep this going? How do we, you know, get more pledges each day and each day and emails and and social media and yeah. Now I'm just like rambling, but yes, it was very nerve wracking. Um, I did not sleep well at all. (laughs) Um, But again, like I said, because now, you know, it's different for us because we've run so many and will continue to run many more. But when you are the creator and this is your one crowdfunding campaign that you ever do or that you're going to do, you know, one every year, one every two years, like, yeah, you are all involved and you're just watching this page hoping that the pledges continue to come in that's that's one of the hardest things is to just be cool about like how the campaign is going um but once you cross the 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 goal threshold anything after that seems to be like gravy you know people calm down a whole lot once they once they reach their goal (laughs) so (laughs) you know but then you keep pushing because, you know, you have your goal. But of course, you want to make as much money as possible and, and have, mm-hmm. have, have as many backers and as many people reading your books as possible. But that pressure goes away for sure once, mm-hmm. once you hit that goal.
0: What's something that's happened in the last five months or so uh, since you launched that's surprised you? Oh,
2: that's a really interesting question. I don't know. Wow. I, I'm a little stumped. I don't, I don't necessarily know. Surprised. Um, there's been a ton of cool stuff though. Like as, again, as a comics fan, like I said, mm-hmm. some of those names that we saw coming in, you know, backing the John Paul Leon, um campaign, some of the conversations that we're continuing to have for next year mm-hmm. are, are really, I, I don't know that they're surprising, but they're like, you know, like, wow, this is, this is really cool. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, my, my, I guess, estimate or goal for the John Paul Leone campaign was I, I wanted to get over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, there were people who had different benchmarks that they thought we might reach. Mm-hmm. So 190,000 plus, I, I, we might be at like 192 or something like that definitely exceeded my wildest expectations. So maybe that was like the biggest surprise. Um, it's a pretty good surprise. <laughs> that was a great surprise. Um, but then, you know, conversely, and now thinking about it is the negative surprise is the one campaign that didn't get funded. I was genuinely surprised that, mm-hmm. you know, what we had didn't cross the, the funding goal. I, I, it's still, I still rack my brain, still try to figure out what went wrong and learn from it. So maybe that was, A surprise but not what maybe the question was intended (laughs) to you know to be asking so a good surprise and a bad surprise for you certainly
0: overall the comics industry is in a weird place right now uh you know we've already talked a little bit about supply shortages paper shortages shipping uh challenges delays at printers uh what are and this and this is this is our second asthma fan girl question what are some of the main challenges in crowdfunding right now uh, that you're, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about solutions that you guys have offered, but like, what do you see as the
2: biggest issue right now? That's really interesting. I think it's sort of platform specific. And what right. I mean by that is like, Zoop might have different issues than Kickstarter might have different issues than Indiegogo. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> saw it. <laughs> I mean, I just saw Indiegogo now is going to start like screening content. So if you're like putting out some content that might not be agreeable with the vast majority of people, you might be screwed. Well, that Um, only took
0: three years of comics gate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. if, If you're on Kickstarter, you like and if you don't hit the algorithm correctly, you're not going to be a featured campaign. You're not going to get on their homepage and, you know, be a project that they love. And if that doesn't happen for most people it's a really tough, tough climb to, to reach your goal. Mm -hmm. Um, with us, the challenge, like, I guess for, you know, doing a campaign number one with us is like, we're not, the doors aren't open just for anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's figuring out if we'll, if we'll work well together, if there is that certain criteria that we're looking for in order to like, you know, put out a campaign by somebody, um, but then understanding this is, this is is a good one is understanding that if it's your book, no matter what platform you're on, you still need to promote it. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to something I said earlier. A lot of creators don't want to shill. They don't want to sell. They don't want to, you know, hit people over the head with it, Mm -hmm. but you have to, you have to, the people who are successful do it. And, they're successful. So what does that tell you? It doesn't bother people. (laughs) You know, if you're, if you're listening to this, if you're a creator and you're thinking about crowdfunding, promote, 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 promote. And when you think you've done enough, promote some more. Mm -hmm. And if it pisses people off, they weren't going to be a customer anyway. And the more you promote, the more customers, the more fans, more supporters, backers, you're going to have. Promoting is never going to turn people away. If it, if it does, they weren't going to back your project anyway. So get comfortable with promoting. You're in business for yourself. You know, you may be a writer or an artist, but there's so much more to it. And we could spend a whole another hour on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: ABC always be promoting. but uh... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah no let's uh let, well, let's cool down we'll have a little uh fun before we close out here uh we uh like to uh as a regular part of the show ask our guests about their pets we saw your little friend walking around there in yeah, the
1: background yep. yes
2: <laughs> he's sleeping on the bed i, I think he's a sunk in i don't know if you could see him right now uh,
1: yeah i saw a head for a move <laughs> around
2: a couple of times <laughs> but yeah tell us about your cat
1: please
2: the well, well, so- That's a dog. I know that when he walked by. Oh, shit. I thought that was a cat. (laughs) No. He's a 12-pound Jack Russell Chihuahua. Oh. Um, He's going to be 14 years old in January. And his name is Snoopy. Yeah, that's Snoopy. Snoopy. (laughs) And he's the best. Snoop. (laughs) Uh His ears didn't even move when I did that. I'll, I'll, I'll leave him be.
0: I saw the black and white and just assumed it was a tuxedo cat. I can't believe that. Wow. Sorry, Matt. I thought that was a point for you on
2: the board.
1: But... No, no. See, I thought it was a dog. I was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. I thought it was a, I, I it was a dog. dog. I guess it was a cat. I am a
2: dog person.
1: 100%.
2: It, it's all fair. We, we've been having... A, we, we, we've had a run of dog people lately. He, he's my fur baby, man. He's, he's, he's my buddy. He's, he's like my Chewbacca, my co-pilot everywhere, so... I love it. That's great. (laughs) What what do you guys have? Cats, dogs? Dan, are you a cat person? Uh, Matt is the cat person.
0: uh, Ah. And then I am the dog person. I've got two miniature dachshunds.
1: Awesome. I I have one sweet little old lady who I guess (laughs) has decided to stay with my wife tonight. Usually she comes up here, which is why I record, you know, curled up in the bed, because she usually curls up on my lap while we record. Gotcha. But she's just, I guess, decided okay well i'm gonna stay with you tonight oh <laughs> it's fine because i work from home and she was on my lap all day oh okay which is wonderful <laughs> until it's like i really need to use the bathroom best
2: <laughs> just totally. on, sweet or, girl. <laughs> or just move my leg a different way <laughs>
0: I was gonna say, usually about halfway through the recording, there's like a gray mound that forms <laughs> on the bottom right front of, of the uh, camera. That screen. <laughs> yeah. You
1: just see the bottom, you see her head right around there. Like, <laughs> hi. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> awesome. She's my sweet girl. Even though she she's 14 and a half too. So she's she's gr- she's not my grumpy little old lady, but she's the best.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, what are you reading right now? This is like a plug for the local library. <laughs> I okay. love the li- I love the library. Mm-hmm. Um, I get stuff for my kid all the time, and then I'll go check out the graphic novel section. And there's a book that I never knew existed. Um, it's called 1985 from Marvel, and okay. coincidentally, <laughs> yes. Tommy Lee Edwards is the artist. Mm-hmm written by Mark Miller I believe. Mhm. Yeah. Which is which is funny because they're working on uh, another like Jupiter's Legacy comic together. So I just I I just cracked it open. I got like a page into it or something. So I can't even mm-hmm. say that I'm reading it, but it it's this book I never knew existed. Happened to see it on the shelf. I know nothing about it. I don't know if anybody like listening or ha- has read it. It being around comics so frequently and talking with people about comics and this book has never come up. Mhm. Like Dan, I can tell. Like you haven't heard of this book, Matt. You were I, like, I've I've heard of it, but I second. never I
0: never read it, and I'm actually I'm, I have no idea what it I, is.
2: Part of me feel I,
0: that doesn't have something. No, never mind, never mind. Yeah,
1: I just remember it. I worked in a shop for 15 years, and I remember selling it, but I don't remember anything beyond it passing over the counter at one point or another. Yeah, gotcha.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um. That that's the latest book I cracked open, but um, I mean I have Comicsology Unlimited, so I'm always reading stuff on there. I have Hoopla again with the library, um, and I'm. I, it, it's funny lately, like my my sort of like comfort book is Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. I don't know why I just continually go back to that, like, you know, Ron Lim. That's my Silver Surfer. That's my Adam Warlock. That's my Thanos. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, like, there's more beautifully drawn Thanos is, you know, but like Ron Lim is my Thanos. Like that, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, that, that book for some reason, and not even George Perez. Sorry. I know that people are probably like, what are you talking about Ron Lim? You know, it's George <laughs> Perez, Infinity Gauntlet, but like, there's something about, like, I don't know that, that series for some reason, like I just continually go back to, continually go back to um, sort of re- re- rereading the Hawkeye, um, you know, Fraction Aja, mm-hmm. however people pronounce his last name uh because you know that's hot right now as well Yep. um and their their work on iron fist is sick too i don't know if you guys ever read the fraction Aha, Yo, yeah. iron fist oh yeah. my god oh man um i'm trying to think i hate this question because i feel like i read so much that i can't even like mm-hmm. it you know it, in one year out the other here's another one um i think it's marjorie flanagan It's from AWA from Garth Ennis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The -hmm. the time, the time, temporal uh, criminal, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Garth Ennis fucking rules, and that book is no exception. So (laughs) if you're not reading that, find it, check it out. It's awesome. Uh, You might not think it's awesome, but it's totally my style of book. So uh, yeah, the way he writes speaks to me. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Right on um well jordan this has been uh fun it's been an hour final question before we let you go how can people follow you online and keep up with zoop and all the projects that are coming out through there
2: yeah so the, the website is zoop.gg not zoop.com not zoop.net zoop.gg as in good game um on there right now we have the nightcrawlers that's the live campaign uh coming up we have another campaign from jay gonzo uh La Mano del destino volume two uh, he he funded Volume One on Kickstarter. I think he raised over forty thousand dollars on that one. So we know that there's a fan base for it. If you're into luchadors, if you're into wrestling, if you're into any sort of like Mexican, um, Latina, Latino, excuse me, culture, this book is definitely for you. On all socials, we are at We Are Zoop. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook at We Are Zoop. Uh Go check out Nightcrawlers. Marco is oh man, I, I'm gonna butcher it, but I,
0: Marco is at Atomic Rex ENT.
2: Rachel is red tie bear. Yeah. At red tie bear. R E D T I E B E A R. Um, on Twitter and Instagram. I know. And a blaze is at a blaze pub. I believe on Twitter and Instagram, go check them out. Yeah. If you send us messages, uh, we all see it. So if anybody wants to say hello, hit us up on any of the socials at we are zoop, uh, Support the campaigns Zoop.gg. All right, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you guys. I'm glad we were able to finally do this. Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQNA is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast, along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and the new Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by our own Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQA on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at comicsxf.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQA and a at Patreon.com/WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A two-dollar donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. A three-dollar donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club Podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at Comics XF, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Cap from Comics XF, and Asimov Fangirl, aka the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQA on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and Comics XF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, when there was one set of footprints in the sand, that's when the Hulk carried you.
1: WNQA